0: Yeah. It's two, two things I wish I could do, I can't do. I wish I could sing, and wish I could dance. I'm the only man to come out of southeast Washington that can't dance. It's kind of pitiful. Well, we're in a series called uh, The Really Good News, and it's an interesting thing that human beings, we're kind of the only creatures on the planet That like good news. In fact, the truth of the matter is we never get enough good news. We don't ever like bad news. We could hear good news day after day after day. It's interesting to contemplate. Why is that? Why are we so geared to good news? But what I want to do is get us thinking right away, what is the difference between good news and really good news? Because this series is about really good news. So let me give you a breakdown of good news. Good news tends to be physical. You know, something is happening in our physical environment. You know, we're getting some money or we're getting a good health report, whatever it is. Tends to be temporal. It's happening here and now. Tends to be circumstantial. And it's personal. It's something that's happening to us. It's good news that happens to us. It is immediate in impact. You know, it, it can really change your mood. It can cheer you very quickly, but with limited duration. The good news you get today won't typically carry very far you'll need another dose of good news to come so that's good news there's nothing wrong with good news I like good news I want good news we all want good news but here's the difference between good news and really good news here we go really good news it's first of all it's spiritual it's not temporal it's it's, excuse me it's not temporal but it's eternal it's experiential meaning that it's not circumstantial, but it's something that goes inside of us and changes the condition of our mood. It changes the quality of our life from the inside, even though circumstantially there may not be any change whatsoever. It's universal, it's not just personal, it's not just something happening to me. Really, really good news affects everybody. It's available to everybody. It is also immediate in impact, but here's the difference. It's unlimited in duration. Really, really good news Will have an ongoing or can have an ongoing impact for the rest of my life. That's the difference between good news and really good news. Now, quiz, quiz for you. The first four books of the New Testament, what are they called? Somebody, anybody. The Gospel of Matthew, Luke, and John. There you go. You called them the what? The Gospel, right? You call them the gospel. That word gospel in the New Testament, New Testament was originally written in Greek, that word is is in the New Testament nearly a hundred times. It's a strange word to pronounce, it, euangelion, but, but that word is hard to translate for us. But the way that it's translated in many modern translations today is good news. And that's really, truly a pretty good translation of it. So, It's Matthew's version of the good news. It's Mark's version of the good news. I'm going to call it the really good news because there had never been any news like it. It's Luke's version of the really good news. It's John's version of the really, really good news. So that's what we want to concentrate on for the next six weeks. I I have a conviction that the good news has been sort of watered down. I feel like the good news has been sort of taken for granted. And I feel like the longer that we have been in church world the more likely it is that we don't really understand the significance of the good news, the really good news, nor do we derive the benefit because you won't derive the benefit if you don't understand the significance of the really good news. Now, we all want good news, but we're typically dependent upon good news that's just happening. Something good is going to happen in our life. You know, kind of like, we get the job that we were trying to get or we get the promotion that we were trying to get or that feud that we were having with somebody or somebody in our family is suddenly mended or that doctor report it comes back good for us so so we're dependent on this kind of good news but there is something better and that's the really really good news so with that in mind Let's start reading a few verses from the New Testament, the, uh, the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul. He says, from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the, what does it say? The gospel of what? The gospel of God. Let's translate it. Instead of gospel, the good news of or about God. Paul says, I've been set apart, I've been sent out. That's what the word apostle means. I've been sent out. To tell people the unique, the different good news about God. He goes on to add this. He says, so I'm not ashamed of the good news since, this, since it is God's powerful means of bringing salvation to everyone who keeps on what? Trusting. Trusting. The good news is that if we return to our creator in trust, then he can start to save us from the things that are destroying us, and it continues right on into eternity. It's once we return to him in trust and become a follower of God, as he's revealed in Jesus, that God is able to save us. So he's able to save everyone who keeps on trusting the Jew especially, but equally the Gentiles. So we're talking about the good news about God. That's where we want to start this message. Picture this. The Roman world of the first century, it was just like today in many ways. It was loaded with religion. I mean, you you couldn't count all the variations of religions and religious ideas that existed in the Roman world of that day. And yet, within a short 300-year period, this message, this good news about God, this unique idea about God, it completely transformed the Roman world of that day. It overtook the Roman Empire to the point of about 312 uh, A.D. Constantine decides that it's politically better to say you're a Christian than not being a Christian. So how did it push aside all these other religious ideas? Today we have some really big religious ideas. So let's just take uh, you know, Islam. It has over a billion people. You have uh, Hinduism, pretty close to a billion people. Buddhism, almost a billion people. You have Christianity, about two billion people. So out of the 7 billion people on the planet, you know, the vast majority are connected to some kind of religion. And add to that literally hundreds, maybe more ideas, religious ideas. So how do you sort through this? And what makes this good news so different and this God, the news about this God, so different than any other God? And that's the first thing I want to tell you. The good news is this. The real creator, the real God is nothing like you or I could have ever imagined. The real creator, the real God, is so much better than anything that you and I have ever heard or even been taught by those that are trying their best to teach the way he is. He's even a little bit better yet. The the real God is better than the best human being you've ever known. The real God is kinder than the most kind human being you've ever encountered. He's more merciful. He's more compassionate. He's more understanding. Think of that friend of yours that always understands you no matter what you do, no matter what you've done, no matter what light you're in, even when you're dead wrong and there's no excuse for what you've done. And yet that friend understands you and accepts you. And the real God understands you even more. This was extraordinary news to the world of that day. It was news that upset the whole equilibrium of the world that day and still does the same for people who will take this truth into their hearts. Let's just look at a few scriptures that will help us to recognize God's uniqueness. Jeremiah ten six, Lord, no one is what? We just sang it. There was none like you. This is what we have to really center on. There is no one like the real God. The good news is that God is different. He's different than any other religious entity that we've ever heard of. He's different than you. He's different from me, and I'm so glad for that. The scripture talks about God being holy. One of the ideas of holy is that he is utterly different. He's almighty, and yet he is ever governed by sacrificial love. We don't do so well with power, typically, but he does. He's totally and entirely different. And that is such good news. It goes on to describing, he says, you, No, 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 no. no. I, I wanted to finish that verse out. <laughs> uh, you are great. You are mighty and powerful. King of the nations. Everyone should have what? A lot of times, a lot of times you read that word in the Bible, you know, fear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, like that. What that word fear is meaning is respect. God rightfully should be supremely respected, supremely considered. That is what it means by fear. It does not mean cringing fear that he's going to, you know, suddenly lash lash out at us. He's far from that kind of an entity, even though some of you have been taught that. Some of you have been in church situations where you're taught that, you know, Fall on your face before the Almighty because you don't know what the Almighty may do to you on any given day or time. Seek his mercy while you can in hopes that he'll have pity upon you. I'm going to tell you that's a false depiction of God. We're going to to pick apart some of those in a little bit as we go on in this message. But he should have respect. That's what people should give you. All, All humans should give God respect. Let's look at another. In Psalm 105, it says, the Lord is what? Now, this word good, it's sort of a general idea in our minds, but God is good in a completely unique way. He is good. You know, people use this cliche, God is good all the time. God is all the time good, right? Now, how many of you have ever heard that before? You know, God is good all the time. But he is. he is. He is all the time. I am not all the time good. I want to be all the time good. You are not all the time good. You probably don't even want to be good all the time. You think it's boring. <laughs> but I actually want to be boring and good, but I'm still not. He's all the time good, all of his purposes, all of his plans, all of his activities, even the ones that sometimes look a little harsh and hard for us to understand. We have to look through the lens that God is good. He's always up to something good, even when we can't initially see it. The Lord is good. His love, his love is eternal, and his faithfulness lasts how long? forever. He's the safest person in the universe. The reason that the news about God spread through the Roman world that day and upturned it and it's still doing the same in lives today is because you and I as human beings, we have been searching all of our life for a safe person and safe persons. We want people that can stand us. They really understand us and they can still stand us. We want people that know all of our hang-ups, all of our mistakes, all of our our shameful errors and deeds, and they still like us. They still believe in us. They still love us. They're safe people. They won't condemn us. They won't remind us of our failures. They won't pound us to prove that we're different they just love us they're safe people but safe people will also speak the truth to us they will tell us when we're about to do something wrong they will plead with us not to do it they will urge us not to be self-destructive but they're still safe people god you got to get this god is the safest person in the universe and like i said a minute ago unfortunately tragically certain churches sort of take pride in depicting God as dangerous. I've heard certain popular Christian writers recently that want to talk about he's a dangerous God. I just want to declare that is utterly nonsense. He is not. He is predictable. He is understandable. He has turned himself inside out to let us know he's faithful, he's predictable, he's understandable. We can be safe with him. For some of you, this is the whole message, because you've never, ever quite felt safe with God. You've gotten some image in your mind that's never allowed you to really relax. Think about this. You've got some people in your life. You've got to have at least one friend or one relative or somebody that you feel utterly safe with. They know your whole deal. They know your whole story, the good, the bad, and the really, really ugly. And yet they still love you and believe in you. And you feel utterly safe with them. God is more so He's known you and I every second of our life. He knows our motives when they're horrible, and he still loves us. And he knows our motives when they were good, and nobody else understood it. He's your safe place, and your heart and my heart were made by him. And your heart and my heart were made for him. And you and I can never—you got to get—you can never—I can never be fully human and fully alive until. I am intimately connected with him. And I'm not going to be intimately connected with him until I know that he's good. And that he's safe all the time. His faithfulness lasts forever. Let's look at another verse. Book of James in the New Testament. James says, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. These gifts come down from the Father, the creator of the heavenly lights, in whose character there is no what? No change. At all. He, he's consistent. Once again, there are some Christian leaders, writers, churches that want you to kind of always be a little bit of afraid of God. You know, you, you just, you, you know, you got to stay on the right side of the Holy One. You, you never know. He's almighty and you should fear in his presence. And this is saying, no, 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 no. You have to understand. God wants you to know. He wants me to know. He's never going to change He is safe. Every good gift that you and I ever experience in life, whether we think about it or not, whether we appreciate it or not, whether we give thanks, every good gift, he thought it up, he gave it to us. Think about it. You're looking at me, I'm looking at you, right? We're seeing each other. How many can see me? (laughs) And you can hear me. And some of you care about hearing me. Some of you are like trying to block me out. Nevertheless, God gave us this, the gift of being able to see the gift of being able to hear, the gift of being able to communicate. Listen, think about this, your emotions, my emotions. What would life be if God had not created us in his image as beings that can feel the quality of your life and my life, every human life? It's dependent upon what we feel. I mean, these are gifts from God, this ability to use our minds and imagination and reason. He gave us this conscience, this monitoring device, and, and on and on. go. It says every good gift, every truly good gift, he gave it, and he gives it to people that don't even appreciate it, right? I went through a lot of my life not it at all, using his name as a cuss word, and yet he still kept giving, and he never pulled anything back away. So... Here's reasons why this was really good news. This God, the real creator, the true God is different. He's entirely different than all the pagan gods and goddesses. He's entirely different than all the ideas that you and I have heard from people. He's only to be known through his word and even then it takes time to let it settle in and here's why. If you're anything like me, you'll understand this immediately. I'm always a little bit skittish when something sounds really, really good. You know what I mean? When when, when it almost sounds too good to be true, I'm a little skittish. I mean, I've had the rug pulled out from under me enough times in life that I just, wait, 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 wait. I'm not going to really, really buy into that because suppose it turns out not to be true, suppose I get disappointed again, suppose I get my heart broken again, and the God, the real God, the real creator, frankly, I'm just going to be brutally honest He actually does sound too good to be true. But where do we get that image from? Where do we get that desire from? We want want a being like this. We can understand a being like this. We frankly have a dim picture of a being like this so that when we think about him, we respond positively. We so want a God that's better than we dare believe, and that's exactly who he is. He's different. He's utterly different. Than the very best that we can imagine. Listen to this other verse from 1 John. It says we have come to know. And rely on the love. God has for us. God is love. First of all we have come to know. We've got to know God's love. But then the second step is relying. Recognizing the uniqueness of God. Is the first step. Internalizing uniqueness of God. Is the second step. And we'll talk about that in a bit. Before we do. I want to just take a little bit of time, and this is going to be probably the most important part of this message for some of us in here. I want to take just a little bit of time to kind of uh, dismantle, if I can, some false depictions of God that are typical. I mean, you know, you could go on with a list of a dozen or so, but but I try to limit it to just four that I think are typical that you and I are most likely to have lodged somewhere in our minds, in our souls that we've at least interacted with at some point these are inaccurate depictions of god and these things can really rob us of the quality of life that an accurate picture of god would give i mean as human beings let's face it we have issues don't we i mean how many of you admit you got issues yeah i I just found out one of my issues the other day i was at a very important meeting you know with the pastoral staff and so i had a water bottle and so you know i'm i'm it had a dent in it. it, it had, you know, you ever get the plastic bottle and it's dented in, it's squeezed in. And so I'm, I'm trying to not let anybody see me. I'm looking like I'm drinking, but I'm blowing in it to try to pop the, the dent out. I can't stand. I don't know what it is. I can't stand the dent. Finally, I literally couldn't stand it anymore. I stuck my finger down in the bottle, and Janet Cregger caught me and she starts laughing at me. I have issues, man. I don't know why. I don't know why I can't stand that, that, that bottle caved in. That's. A good issue, okay? I'm not telling you my dark issues that I struggle with. But we have issues. We have hang-ups. We have problems. We, we call them demons, whatever, you know, we have them. Often they come from these false ideas, notions of God that are lodged in us. The really good news is he's nothing like these notions. Here we go. Four common sources of false depictions of God. Number one, inaccurate religious teaching. I've talked about that a little bit already. Some of us have been exposed to some really bad, bad teaching about God. Let me give you a little way to check on this. If you are uncomfortable with God at all, if you are afraid of God at all, if you are afraid of the thought of meeting with God at all, that it's a little uncomfortable with you, I can tell you, you've been exposed to false teaching about God. He's the safest person that you'll ever meet. He is the lover of yourself. You say, Randy, you don't understand. I'm not living the way he wants me to. I, I'm not, I don't even care about living the way he wants me to. He's still the safest person you'll ever meet. You're still safe to come to him just as you are he loves you too much to leave you as you are he'll try to persuade you to be your own best friend and live the way you were designed but you're safe you're safe if you have fear of God fear of God in you if you are uncomfortable with God you don't have the right God you don't have an image of the right God false teaching has affected you we have so much religion in fact let me just just help you with something here's the difference between a relationship with the real creator and every other religion all other religion can be summed up in one thing it is human beings attempting to find ways to appease a deity or a set of deities find the rules find the ritual find the song sign on the dotted line go through whatever it is you have to go through so that now the deities are on your side and off your back now you're safe with the deities most people that fill churches, I'm ashamed to admit this, but it's true. Most people that fill churches and, and use Christian jargon, they're still pagans at heart. They're, they're looking for a way to appease the deity, to just do just enough to get the deity off their back and on their side, just enough to make sure that when death comes, they enter into a better place. And the real God, He is desperate to give you something so much better than a pitiful ignorant image like that the real God can't be appeased you can't multiply prayers and appease him you can't take a ritual and appease him he's too good for that he's too intelligent for that he wants to bring deeper goodness into our lives and he cannot do that until we actually trust him and take his words seriously, but anybody can't be appeased. Some of you, you're afraid of God. You're superstitious about your approach to God. You never quite know where you stand. You're always trying to make sure, is God pleasing me now? Because you've been given some inaccurate religious teaching, and if you'll stick around here long enough, I'll do my best to try to dislodge that out of your heart and out of your life, because the real God is better than that. It's really, really good news when you know him. Secondly, lack of concern and investigation we we live in a world today where multitudes of people they simply aren't concerned about God at all they're not concerned about the creator therefore they don't even investigate they don't even try to see who he is and what he's revealed about himself they tend to be idolatrous what do you mean idolatrous Randy they make up God in their own image I did that before I was a Christian I remember sitting in the back seat of a car with some buddies of mine our plan that night was to go and party get good and drunk get good and high get with some girls get in a fight if we were lucky and that was a good night for us and then the conversation drifted into God and I said this I popped off yeah I think God's pleased with us We never murdered anybody. There it was. My God allowed me to do whatever I want, have premarital sex, get in fights, get good and drunk, get high, do whatever I want to do, as long as I didn't kill anybody. We make God in our own image. Multitudes today think it's a smorgasbord. Whatever you believe about God, it's okay. It doesn't matter as long as you're sincere. That's your belief. Got to be tolerant. Let me just tell you something. What's your name? Ginger, Ginger, if I started calling you Cindy, is that cool with you if I just call you Cindy all the time or would you rather be called Ginger? Suppose everybody in this room want to call you Cindy. Would you insist that your name is Ginger? She would do that. She would call us all wrong. How dare you? Where do you get such arrogance? (laughs) We have this idiotic, Come on, folks, we know better. than This idiotic notion that's sort of sweeping the globe. You can just make up whatever image you want of God. God can be anything you want it to be. It does not matter. No, 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 no. If there's a real creator, and there is, and the evidence is compelling, he is who he is. And it doesn't really matter what I want him to be or think of him. He is who he is. And it doesn't matter if all the world says, oh, I think he's this and I think he's that. It doesn't matter. He is who he is, just like Ginger's Ginger, no matter what we think. She is who she is. Third, personal guilt, shame, and fear. Some of you, you, you got to hear this. You, if you don't hear anything else, there are some of you, you live with the discomfort in your soul of something that terrible, in, at least in your mind, terrible that you have done. Maybe it's a whole bunch of terrible things you have done you try to forget them you confess them to God you hope that they're forgiven but you can't shake the uncomfortable feeling and somewhere in your mind every time something goes wrong in your life you think to yourself you know I bet God's punishing me I have it coming I deserve it I bet he's punishing me for this and you go through your whole life with that false image of God in your mind. And you are tormented by false guilt, false shame, and ridiculous fear of the one that is the safest person in your life, who understands you completely, who loves you utterly, who would never turn you away, who will not punish you for your sins. You say, but Randy, I, I mean, I've had some really bad stuff happen to me. Well, I want to be, be honest with you. Sometimes our own sins punish us. You see, because sin is just living in contradiction to the way God designed us. And sometimes our own stupidity, my own stupidity has brought punishment to me. It's not God. It's my own stupidity. How many can identify with that? Your own stupid uh, decisions have brought some consequences in your life. But it's not God. But some of you, I just want to take this off. I wish it was somebody I could... With my hands take it off you i know this pain i know how it feels it's like a a heavy weight you drag around you're always feeling you want to believe you're clean in the sight of god you want to believe you're forgiven you want to believe what the scripture says that he forgets our sins and buries them in the depths of the sea and he looks at us just as if we never said you want to believe that but you can't shake the feeling That you've done something terrible and you deserve something terrible. That is not at all the way the true God is. The really, really good news is He forgives completely and He chooses to forget and to see you and to see me as though we never, ever did the terrible things. You have to own it first. But for some of you, This image, if you could dislodge it, the good news would start to permeate your soul. Let me give you one last one. Traumatic life experience. This is not something terrible you did. It's something that terrible was done to you. Some of you have had some terrible, terrible experiences. You did not deserve them. And you think to yourself, how could God let something like this happen to me? If he's really good, if he's really good, and he saw what was going on in my life, How can I trust him if he would let that happen? Listen to me. I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to like it. You might not understand it. I've unpacked it several times, and I'm just going to say it very quickly, and we'll unpack it as the series goes on. God is absolutely allowing evil for a little while so that he can abolish it forever. He's allowing evil for a little while so that he can abolish it forever. Can't unpack it in this message. Those traumatic life experiences, it's like a story i came across about a lady named tiffany and i'm going to actually just read this to you it's from a book by a guy named rick mckinney the book is called jesus in the margins and he talks about 31 year old tiffany she wrote him a letter she says when i was nine years old i was molested by a family member at the time i really didn't understand what was happening but i knew it wasn't normal i was too scared to tell anyone because he was a family member I felt that somehow my mom and dad allowed it to happen. Looking back, I can see that wasn't true. But at the time, I just didn't know any better. The abuse continued until I was 12. So from 9 to 12. And I told my mom finally what was happening. She cried so She cried so loud and for so long. I realized then the gravity of what had happened. I've never been able to scrub the sick feeling off my soul that was put there through the abuse. So I just go through life feeling that if anyone ever knew who I was on the inside, they would simply reject me. I hate men. That's maybe a little strong, but every relationship I've ever had has been shallow because of it. I can't, I can't give myself to them, at least not emotionally, emotionally. I can have sexual relationships, but that's about as far as it goes. For some reason, trusting men with my body isn't a big deal. I just can't trust them with my heart. And then 31-year-old Tiffany says, I'm kind of angry with God. Why did he let it happen to me? He couldn't really love me. I hope one day I can be honest with someone about my life, about what has happened to me, even the things that I've done, and hope that that person... And love me anyway. Sometimes the image we have of God, is based on some traumatic experience we've had. And we think that God is causative or he could have intervened or that he should have intervened. But I'm here to tell you what you're not going to want to hear. God is not intervening in every circumstance of evil in human history all you got to do is know history all you got to do is do is be in touch with reality and you know that he is not nor does he say in his word that he will intervene now in every single injustice in every single evil every single sin that's going on he is not he is allowing evil for a little while so that he can abolish it forever but he has proven himself good he's working out a good plan that's going to be very good right on into eternity for now for now, we're called to trust him based on the goodness about himself that he's revealed. Remember this verse from 1 John. It says, We have come to know, that's recognizing God's uniqueness. We have come to know and rely on God's love or on the love that God has for us. God is love. Have you come to know the uniqueness of God's love for you and the unique love that God has? More importantly, are you relying on it? Because until you and I start to rely on this unique picture of God, until we rely on it, until it becomes a daily reality, It doesn't impact the quality of our life. It will not alter our mood. It has the power to do that. It has the power to bring something called joy. It has the power to bring something called peace. It can bring enthusiasm to your life. It can bring clarity. It can bring objectivity. I could go down a multitude of lists. But until we internalize the picture of the real God, that he's different, it's really, really good news. He's so different than what we can ever imagine he's better than the best thought that we can ever come to, to our minds until we internalize that it doesn't help us on a day-to-day basis so let me give you a few verses that'll help us to internalize this picture of this really really different unique God in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 it says faith assures us or trust that's the same Greek word there pistis is a word it can be translated faith or or trust, or confidence, or reliance. Faith assures us of the things we expect and convinces us of the existence of things we cannot see. In other words, once I come to truly trust God, then I trust in his utter goodness, and I trust in his purposes and his plans, and I know that he's in control, even though at times in this world it doesn't look like anyone's in control. It gives me spiritual reality i live in the reality that god is there he cares he loves me he's for me he's with me he's the safest person in my life i have to live by faith by trust keeping those things alive in my mind on a daily basis here's a second step that can help us to internalize this really good news about god it says in Isaiah, it says, you will keep in perfect peace all who, what is it? Is it trust in things about you or trust in you? Trust in you. We've got to personalize this. Our trust has to be in God himself. The things that he's done are the basis for our trust in him, but it's in him that we have to trust. And then it goes on to say, all whose thoughts are what? fixed on you. So the ones that are kept in perfect peace are the ones whose thoughts are fixed on him. You and I have a tendency as our life goes on as our days go on, we we can easily forget God. He's ever present, he's ever for us, he's ever with us, but it's easy to forget that. So we have the ability and God urges us to train our minds to keep ourselves aware of his presence, the presence of this really good God, better than your best friend, more loving than your most loving relative, the person that shares you, that always thinks the best about you, who's always for you, who always understands you when no one else does. That person is with you if you put your trust in Christ. But unless you and I start to train our minds to make ourselves aware and reminded of the presence of this extraordinarily good God, we won't experience the benefits. One last one. Psalm 65 says, yes, my soul, find rest. That is where we find our rest, in God, God himself. My hope comes from him. Trust in him. How often? All times, when it's looking good, when it's not looking good. When you get justice, when you don't get justice. When you're bailed out, when you're not bailed out. When evil prevails and when evil doesn't prevail. All times, all times. He's allowing evil for a little while that he can abolish it forever. You people pour out your what? Pour out your... Now, this is powerful. For you and I to internalize, to, in other words, maintain the experience of this really, really wonderful God in our hearts, in our minds... We have to develop this experiential habit. We've got to let God have access to the deepest parts of us. We have to seek him in the deepest way we can and we have to allow him to have access to the deepest part of us. And the way we do this is by learning to pour out our hearts to Him. You know what that is. You've got secrets, man. You've got things you don't tell anybody. You've got things you don't tell your wife. You don't tell any human being the stuff that goes through your head all the time. You don't tell everybody about your deepest fears, your strangest imaginations, your, your real struggles. Learn to practice pouring out your heart, to verbalizing your depths to God's depths And by this practice, and by keeping our minds fixed on him, we'll internalize his presence. His presence will become an ongoing reality to the point that it can govern. It can become a climate control of our inner mood, the way that we feel, so that things like peace and joy can really start to come to the surface and become a real experience in our life. Too many people talk about love and joy and peace and all that, but we don't experience it. Well, here's how you experience these things, these couple little steps that I've just given you. Let me close by going back to Tiffany. Remember Tiffany, the one that said she hated men? She was angry at God? In the same book, Rick McKinley says... Much later, Tiffany sent him yet another letter, but it was a letter after she had heard the really, really good news that God was not like she thought at all, that he was utterly different, that he was the safest person in the world, that he was the one that loved her entirely, perfectly, forever. And her response was quite different. Let me just read you Tiffany's words. In fact, I think I have it. I'm always amazed at how God has met me where? In the deepest parts of me. Until you and I start opening up the deepest parts of ourselves to God, pouring out our hearts. He can't meet us there. We won't won't know the difference that comes from having him there. I realize that God has loved me the whole time. Remember, she said she was angry at God. Why did God let this happen to me? Why did he let the abuse? Now she says, I realize he loved me the whole time. The abuse taught me that I was worthless, but Christ has taught me that I am what? Precious. And that's the truth. That's the really good news. I got one last little bit of really good news for you about God. Remember, we started with the gospel of God, the good news about God. Look at these verses. Look at these verses. For in Christ lives all the, what does it say? Fullness of God in a what? And then Hebrews 1 3, it says, and shows what? Exactly what God is like. What are you saying, Randy? I'm saying here's the really, really good news the real God, the real Creator. It's not like anything we've heard. He's not like we've heard even in churches, frankly. Not even have you heard from me, though I've given my life to trying to express the depths of his beauty. But the good news, the really good news, is that the real God is like Jesus. And you and I can have access to him anytime we want it. We started off by saying the good news is of Matthew and the good news is of Mark and the good news is of Luke and the good news is of John. The real God is like Jesus, he's the safest person in the universe, he is the lover of your soul. You cannot shock him, you cannot disappoint him. He will not be run off, but if you run toward him instead of away from him, you will find that if you open your depths, he'll meet you in your depths and your life, the quality of your life, the thing you've been looking for out of life, you will find it because it will find you by simply having the truth about Him as a daily reality in your soul. Now some of us, we came in here this morning with some of those confused images about God and I hope that the Spirit of God will start to dislodge those, that you'll throw those off, that you'll start recognizing how inaccurate they are and you'll reject those. And I dare to say some of us probably We kind of know that God is uniquely good, but we have trouble keeping that image in our minds as life with all of its badness pounds us. Well, maybe you could start to fix your minds on him like we read, to pour out your hearts to him to trust him and by that trust know that he is with you he is for you he is always good he's better than he's kinder than the kindest person you'll ever meet kinder than the kindest thoughts you can ever have he's more merciful than the most merciful person he's more loving more gentle you you can take it as far as your imagination can take you he's better than that that my people my friends that is the good news and we desperately needed like fish are made for water you and i were made to live in the environment of this really really good god it was meant to saturate our souls every day of our life if you let that happen i guarantee you the quality of your life will change and you will have impact on everybody you interact with in a very deep positive way let's pray Father, I suppose the biggest barrier that you find in any of us is that we have such a hard time believing that you are this good. Push past it. May your spirit bear witness that you are better than the best thought we can conceive of, and we're safe in trusting in you entirely. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen.